In this podcast, Pamela Barty, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and developer of a $100 million real estate empire, will share her inspiring underdog comeback story. And along with those of her guests, she'll share how you too, as an underdog, can rise up and succeed against all odds. Here's your host, Pamela Barty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, I have an awesome guest here with me, Matt. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Pamela? I am doing wonderful. I am speaking to a serial entrepreneur here. He is a total rock star. I am so pumped to get into your story, my friend. So I start with the loaded question of what inspired you on your path to where you are today? So I uh, actually grew up a Generation X And my dad used to always tell me this like lame story. He would say, Matt, you need to go to school to get good grades so you can get a good degree, so you can get a good job, so you can retire with benefits. And I thought, no, I heard that like every week. And I'm like, that is the most lame thing I've ever done again. So I decided I didn't want to be average. I want to be above average. I don't want to live my life just to be some average schmuck. And so that's a decision I made when I was 18 years old. And I'm a few years older now, of course. But yeah, that was it. It was just a decision I made because I didn't want to be average. That's really it. I love that. I love that. And so you apparently took that very much to heart because your journey has yeah. been... <laughs> all over. We'll reel it in from the beginning too. It's like, what did you want to be when you grew up? When I was younger, I wanted to be a veterinarian, but then I could see blood and my stomach would get all naughty. And I would like, Oh, I don't think I can handle the sight of blood and pass out and all kind of crazy stuff, which isn't helpful if you're going to be a veterinarian. (laughs) So I, then I'm like, you know, I want to own a business. I want to be a business owner. I want to be an entrepreneur. And so my grades in high school were only good enough to afford me to go to a community college. (laughs) And so I went to community college for like three semesters in Orlando, Florida, where I was growing up. And I decided, I'm like, you know, I, this college isn't my thing. Like I would listen to professor God at this community college, talk about how smart he was. And it would just like drive me nuts. And, you know, I feel like calling him out. I'm like, bro, you're at a community college. Like how smart are you really? Like, come on, let's be honest. Right. And so I, I knew that if I was leaving some kind of a a situation where I was learning and I was just stepping away from that. I knew I had to do something to, to stimulate my mind, something to learn. And so what I did was I decided, you ready, Pamela? I decided to read Entrepreneur Magazine every month, cover to cover for 10 years. And that's what I did. So my college education cost me $240. So that's what I did. Yep. That's so awesome. So you basically just read Entrepreneur Magazine. I did cover to cover. Yep. Yeah. Cover to cover. That's important. And this is back when they would send it like in the mail and come in your mailbox and you could like just open it and you could read it. This is obviously pre like early, early, early years before the internet was a thing. And yeah, so I did that. And when, when I met my wife, we've been married over 20 years now, I had this massive stack of all these magazines, the covers were falling off and all that. And somewhere around like 1998, 1999, I read that there was this new trend. They called it the World Wide Web. And it was going to be like the next big thing. And I thought maybe I should learn something about this next big thing. And so I I read, I learned, I studied, I did as much as I could. And this is like early internet. So there's not like 
you know, Internet for Dummies books out at that point. And right there, was those didn't exist. It was still so, so new. And so I decided to learn um, just like take online tutorials. So there's like little websites that have little snippets of you can write this code and it does this. And I literally just jumped in uh, doing that for about a year and a half. Just in any spare waking moment that I had, I jumped in and I learned how to just build websites. And so I ended up getting a job doing that full time. I ended up uh, starting a software company that made e-commerce easy to use, something like Shopify is today. Wow. And uh, it just just took off from there. Yeah. That's incredible. So your first business, so you were just saying it was like a software company in the World Wide Web, the internet, right? I, remember, yeah. I still remember like uh, what I would be on, was it AIM? AOL Instant Messenger. Yep, I remember and then that. somebody would call yeah. my house phone and I used to flip out. <laughs> I used yeah. to flip out. I'm like, you just ruined my conversation with my best friend. My mom's like, I need to talk on the phone. So it's like, it's crazy to go back <laughs> because like now we have our phones in our hands, like in our pockets and it's like yeah. computers, yeah. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's just bananas. So walk me through like your first, so you threw your first business and like how you really started that one. Cause I know it was one of many. It was. So like early on, so I learned how to build websites just in the, this was around the late nineties. And so I, the first thing I did was I learned it enough and I decided to help like friends, like I had friends who had bands and different things. So I would like build them websites just to get some experience and practice, build them a website here. I built, I built like my church, a website, did little, little things, just try to get some experience. And then I took those and I used those like a portfolio to actually get a job doing it full-time with another company that accelerated. And then what I did was I decided to do like freelance work on the side. So that was like uh, websites like guru.com, which is even around to this day, I would find like little freelance projects where people were looking for this and this is what I did and they would match you up and I would do that. And then I, then my side business got bigger than my full-time job. It was a good year and a half or two. Uh, I was newly married and my wife would uh, kiss her goodnight. And then I would go over like three feet over to the right to my desk and I'd have my PJs on ready to go to bed. And I'd literally work there until my head started popping. Like, you know what I'm talking about, Lord. You get so tired, your head starts popping. You're like, okay, now it's time to go to sleep. And I did that for like a good year and a half. So I'd work a full-time job and then do the side thing. And that just, you know, it took, it took some time to get enough clients, enough projects. And from that, I started a little, little bitty software product that started out with like 25 lines of code up until when I sold it in 2016 it was like two million lines of code it grew just a little bit and it became this big big thing and over that journey you learn so many things and actually that was not my first one that's probably the most memorable one I think every guy in high school everybody has always mowed yards and cut grass (laughs) and so that was like my very 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 first uh, thing but um but working with the internet and computers and stuff I just I have this like figured outness kind of quality this grit where most people quit. I'm super, super slow and patient in trying to learn some of this. So it, it worked in my, in my advantage in that case. So, yeah. That's awesome. You took that cover to cover basically education. I want to say the entrepreneurial education, which is experience and there's nothing like it. Like there's that you could, you could have three MBAs and still you could be a shitty entrepreneur. Like that's okay, absolutely like experience is everything. These are things you mm-hmm. can't learn in school. Like that grit, for example, that you were talking right. about, like right. grit cannot be taught. I don't care what anybody says like that hustle 
your character, like all that stuff plays such a huge role in business, especially as an entrepreneur, especially when you are the brand, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so, so it's interesting to me, like, you know, what were the first steps that you took after, you know, like getting into your businesses? It's like so many people, and I know there's a lot of entrepreneurs listening and maybe people who are aspiring entrepreneurs that it's like analysis paralysis, right? Like I'm not qualified to do this or imposter syndrome. I'm not qualified to do this. What makes me, you know, able to do this? And, you know, just like hesitating on like that first biz. Cause I feel like once you get into it, you get addicted and you just keep it, Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's like the challenge. You're like, I got to have a bigger, tougher, taller challenge next time. Yeah. So I feel like for most entrepreneurs that at least people who haven't yet maybe made the plunge and started the first business, which is like a a coaching call I did earlier today. I feel like a lot of people have different expectations of what entrepreneurship is. And if you look at like Hollywood, it's high fives all day and just raising millions of dollars, just high-fiving people all day. Like that's how it is. And if it's anything different than that, then I'm going to be disappointed. And you know, there's lawsuits, there's all kinds of good stuff that you have to deal with that is uncharted territory for you. And I feel like having some, some level of of expectations that are just super, super like, this is going to be really hard. And it, and I know it's going to be even harder than that. Right. And so you have to jump in and figure things out and do the work, put the work in. And obviously you have mentors and you have people in your life that can help you with little pieces of it. But at the end of the day, it's up to you. And as you know, owning your own business five o'clock on Friday, when most people they clock out and they go home as an entrepreneur, you still have that weight on your shoulders, even weekends, even on vacations. And of course you set up systems and processes and things that it can run without you, but that weight still is on your, it's still your responsibility. Right. And so when it works great, when things are going well, and in a sec, we'll talk about when things didn't go so well, uh, it works great in those environments, but you really, you have to be a fighter and you have to like have, like, as you said, you have to have the grid, but you can't give up. You absolutely can't give up. And I was talking to someone today. They're like, well, Matt, what happens if I fail? And I'm like, well, what, what does that mean when you fail? Like you stop trying, that's when you fail. Like you can be out of money. Like there's plenty of entrepreneurs who've filed bankruptcy before, like whenever you stop trying, that's when you fail, right? Right. And I'm going to keep going until I don't fail. And that's, that's the mindset you have to have. And a lot of people, they're looking for the easy or the the cheap or the, you know, some shortcut. And it, you can spend a whole lifetime looking for that. And it doesn't, it doesn't really exist. You just got to do the work. Amen. No, seriously. And, and that's the hard part. Like you just got to go right into it. I tell people, I'm like, you don't have to know it all at all. Not one bit, but you just start one step. You take one step each day towards where you want to be. If you think about the bigger picture, you're like, yes, of course you can get overwhelmed. And it seems like this big and scary, but if you just take it one step at a time, you know, and I'm interested to hear like, like your techniques of like diving right into it, into the first one and kind of moving forward from that. If you could share your experiences sort of after the fact, that'd be. (laughs) Sure. So I think most people try to think about when they're starting out, they try to think about, I need all the green lights to be green between here and where I want to go. And you don't really need that. If you're waiting for that time, that's never going to happen. You know, like if I was to drive to Pam's house, I only want to go when all the lights turn green and they're all green in a row and then I'll go. And you just need like 50 feet or hundred feet. You need some, like you need to see what the next step is. Right. And that's, that's really all you really need. And so for me, what I did was I got the first thing I did after I learned how to do the skill itself was I decided early on that I needed someone, if I'm busy doing the work, I need someone to sell the work. Right. Most entrepreneurs are freelancers. They have this peanut butter and jelly and then steak and potatoes. And then like this roller coaster of up and down in their income. Same thing with real estate investors at times. (laughs) 
<laughs> and you know what I'm talking about. And so you have to have someone like you have to have some consistency. So I decided to hire a salesperson mm. to help sell some of this software that I was working on and building. It worked out great. He worked with me for nine years and we ended up growing a company together. But that was the like the first step. And so in Entrepreneur Magazine, there's plenty of case studies about hiring and firing. And I, I had a pretty good feel for how all that should work. And um, but there's nothing like, as you said, jumping in and figuring out, you know, when you hire someone, you're like, this person's going to come in early and they're going to stay late and they're going to ask for more assignments. Nope. Total opposite. Total, total opposite. Some, a lot of times that happens. And you can do assessments and testing and personality, this, that, and other, all these exams and tests, you know, before you hire someone. But at the end of the day, it really, it's a, at least in my mind, it's still a little bit of a, there's some element of unknown how well they're actually going to work in the role. You know, they could be a superstar at their old company. It doesn't mean they're going to automatically be a superstar here at this company, right? You just have to kind of work through that. So again, for me, first thing I did was look for a salesperson. And one of my clients, uh, that was a client at the time, a company I was working for previously, they were about to go under and they just announced it to everyone that, hey, they're, they're closing up. And so one of their salespeople actually reached out to me like the same weekend week when I decided I was going to hire someone. And so it just, that happened to work in my favor. That's amazing. And you know, what's insane is like the step 20 codes to 2 million is pretty ridiculous. That honestly, like it's, wow. <laughs> it's, it's insane. 20,000 yeah, 20, lines of code, the 2 million lines of code. Yeah. It's a lot. That's a lot. And then you, but you started with one step at a time. And that's what I try to get people to say. Like, you know what, like when your fitness instructor, like say you do a workout, if they're like, okay, you're going to do a hundred of these, you're going to be like, oh, but then when you say 10 sets of 10, 10 sets of 10, yeah. All of a sudden things shift a little bit, which is yeah. super cool. Oh man. And you're yeah. like, you get 60 seconds of rest in between each set. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. The pause is really important too, you know, because yeah. the entrepreneurial burnout, you try to do everything yourself, you're going to feel that. Yeah. I, it happened to me. Right. And I will say, it, I mean, there's times, you know, I've made my mistakes, my entrepreneurial mistakes. That's right. without a doubt, you know, where I didn't properly budget and I was credit card debt up the wazoo and then like hurt my credit because I just like some things were late because you just right. like couldn't. Right. But then you, you're right. here trying to build a dream and then run all this and then try to get bigger and do this and be that, you know, and different, especially when you run multiple businesses. Yep, absolutely. So it's super interesting, super interesting. So like in, in your entrepreneurial endeavors, you know, you could t talk about them and in, in sort of which, you know, cause you have 14 of them, correct? Well, that's correct. 14. Oh my God. If you could walk us through those and then like mistakes you've made throughout the process, that would be, that'd be incredible. Yeah. So they all had, uh, they're all in slightly different industries. And yeah. for me, like mowing yards was something that, that I did right out, right during high school is like extra cash for, I think every, every guy's done that. And so that was one that I did. I used to sell wild. It was like big game meat, like beef jerky, but it wasn't beef jerky. It was like ostrich and gator and kangaroo and just crazy stuff. Wow. And each, you know, each business you have things that you learn. And I think, I feel like failure is part of the equation here. And at least in high school and middle school, they teach you not to fail. Like don't make mistakes. That's bad. But I feel like it really needs to be part of the process, right? So like learning, making mistakes, losing money. It's as long as you learn from it, 
and you move on, right? Because like, what's the most expensive mistake you can make? It's, it's the one you don't learn from, right? Because then you make the mistake, you pay the price, you make the same mistake again, you pay the price again, right? Uh, and so yeah. I feel like the failure part is, is part of the equation that most people don't embrace. And so that's actually my superpowers. I'm really good at doing things wrong. I will do them wrong really, really quickly. And then I'll figure out how to do them right. It's like, I figure out what not to do. And now I'm a little closer to figure out what I should do. And so it could be hiring. It could be, you know, should I even be in this business to begin with, you know, a low, low margin business that has lots of, uh, lots of manpower that's required, you know, like everything has to go perfect just to break even, you know, is that a business I should even really be in? And so all the businesses that I've started cost less than $10,000 to start every single one, less than $10,000. What? That's an awesome risk approach yeah. because there's people that put in, <laughs> oh my God, like restaurants, for example, building yeah. out a kitchen is like three to 500 grand, right? Yeah. Wow. And just to clarify, 10,000 out of pocket, just to clarify. So sometimes I did have loans. I did borrow, you know, I had personal lines of credit and I had, okay. but I, I think like each, each venture that you do, even if you stick, like you try your best for a year or two and things just don't work out. It's not the end of the world, right? It's like, it might be bad, but it's not like disastrous. Like disastrous would be like you lost everything and you're in jail, right? Like, like fraud or something like really, really bad. That's, that's hard to come back from, right? And you're kind of stuck in a really bad environment that you can't just like snap your fingers and, and overcome like easily. But, um, but each, each little business that I did was like, I had a web design company. I, each one that I did had different lessons that they learn along the way, whether it's hiring, whether it's process, whether it's contract, and making sure you have everything that you want to do in, in like a written contract form not just handshakes and right. you know there's tons and tons of lessons that we could spend hours <laughs> talking through each of those but I just feel I feel like at the end of the day you just have to have this really tough tough mindset and you have to be willing to do what it takes and whatever that looks like right and sometimes it's an open checkbook on your time right because we can all invest time and we can all invest money right. and as you get older you're investing your money to get your time back your free time back right and so at least for me I, I feel like at the end of the day I'm trying to become the best version of myself right I don't know if you've heard anyone say this before about yeah. I feel like maybe at the end of your life you get to meet the person you're like you're supposed to be right and like do you have anything in common with that person are you total strangers what advice would they give you are you identical twins like that's what i'm that's what i'm working on and so because i have a software background i think of like the version of me i'm this is like 7.1 version right i'm smarter i'm faster i'm healthier i'm richer but I got a little more mileage than my previous versions, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's really what it's about is just trying to be the best. Like we could, like we could compare notes on projects and did, you made more on this one, I made more on that. Like we could do that all day, right? But at the end of the day, it's me versus me, like the me this year versus me last year. And yeah, it's been with COVID and everything, it's been just wild for most people. But um, some of us who are, in the right place, in the right time of prepared. It's been just a crazy 3X year. Everything is tripled, right? And so, I mean, that's that's where you want to be. You don't want to be panicked and, you know, just things are going crazy and, oh no, put your head in the sand. You just want to be prepared, ready to go, have the right mindset. And you're waiting for those opportunities across your desk so you can pounce, right? Right. 
right and pivot Pamela style yeah well that's the thing is like you know as an entrepreneur you got to be fluid you got to be ready to adapt you got to be ready to pivot at any point in time right you know COVID was a major test to that anybody who was stuck in their ways traditional wasn't thinking you know of the digital world had a lot of issues (laughs) during COVID you know (laughs) Uh, or or they've had to reinvent themselves really quickly or whatever those who have stood out on top post-COVID are the ones who have adapted and that's the crazy thing. And I mean, th- so throughout your entrepreneurial journey, you've adapted a lot, like right. a lot, Absolutely. a lot. And Absolutely. I definitely want to hear because I, and, and here's the thing to me, failures parentheses are just lessons. So what were your biggest lessons that you've learned throughout your entrepreneurial ventures? Like, and the reason why I say this is because I know there's entrepreneurs who are going or have gone through this and they feel, <laughs> and they feel like parentheses failures, but they're really not. So if you have some like stories that you could tell about different lessons that you've learned, be super helpful to just, you know, cause I always like to paint the picture of like, Hey, this actually happens. Like, yes, you mentioned before our call that 14 businesses, but only how many of them sold and how many four, of them did you close? Four of them sold 10 shut down. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good ratio, I think. I don't know. Yeah, but but like yeah. it, it's so important for people to hear this because then they don't feel so alone, right? Everyone's got to be a winner. Yeah. It's funny when you start a business, you feel like it's going to be the one, but you know, a year, two, three down the road, you're like, oh, maybe this isn't the, the one, right? But that, that's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I, one of the things that most people, I've, I've told the story a few times, but I've actually passed out three times from stress, three times. Wow. And uh, twice while driving. (laughs) So don't try this at home, kids. So when I, you mentioned pivot, the word pivot. And 10 years ago, we called it a near-death experience, not a pivot. (laughs) And I'm I'm joking a little bit, but in business, we actually had one of our early iterations of my software company was we had a piece of software you could download and install. And so in 2008, we decided to pivot from like a downloadable piece of software to software as a service, which is what you know now, which is everything's out in the cloud and you just pay a monthly fee. You don't really download and install anything. So we pivoted from that into uh, what is now software as a service. And in 2008, we felt like, you know, salesforce.com was out, right? That was probably like the Mac day, early original software as a service. You remember they used to have like a, a little icon and say software with the little Ghostbusters, like X out type thing, like no software, even though they're a software company, that's kind of funny. But the idea of like downloading software and installing it, running out on your computer is like old school, like having it live in the cloud and you just log into it. That was like what we were kind of adapting. And so during that, what I did was I took out a personal guaranteed loan of $200,000. And uh, what caused me to just, the stress level just go way higher than what I could handle at the time was we launched April 1st, so April Fool's Day of 2008. And within like a month, we had three customers paying us $29.99 a month. And I had this like personal guarantee. And for those of you who don't know, a personal guaranteed loan means the company goes broke and I personally have to come out of pocket and pay that back, right? And so- the company can go broke, employees can go get another job, but I have to dig my way out of that and, you know, try to find some other work or some other way to generate income. And so I remember just driving down the road and I was meeting my wife and kids. They were camping. Uh, They'd driven up a day or two early to meet my father-in-law and we were somewhere in Kentucky. I was driving by myself and I was somewhere in Kentucky. And I remember feeling this like black and white, color vision just going away and it turning black and white. I'm like, wow, that's interesting. And I was like sweating and I was like, what is happening? And I remember going down the road about 70, 80 miles an hour. 
And I saw an, one of those rest areas and I saw an exit, you know, half a mile. And like, I need to pull over. <laughs> like, this can't end well. And so I was literally going 80 miles an hour. The air was cranking. I was sweating like crazy. And this is like the summer. So the air was cranked 100%. And then been, I'd been on the road about an hour, hour and a half. And I remember pulling over to the side of the road, opening the door, taking two steps and then just face plant. And that was it. Right? And I remember waking up. And there's paramedics standing over me. And the first thing I did was, I'm like, where's my phone? <laughs> they ended up doing like EKG and all this stuff. I mean, they gave me okay to, to I had to sign something. I, I refused to, you know, seek medical treatment any further, blah, blah, blah. And they ended up doing tests on me like days later after I get back. And they said it was stress. And they tip you upside down. They do all this stuff, make you run. And they said, we, we don't find anything. So it must be stress. And uh, literally the very next year, the same exact, like it was around July 4th weekend, the same type thing. It happened again the very next year. And it was the same type of thing. I, was, I wasn't on interstate, I was on back roads. And I remember calling my wife. I said, honey, it's happening again. I'm here at this intersection. If I don't come home, blah, blah, blah. And so same thing happened. And I feel like that, like trying to internalize everything is not the healthiest thing, you know, where I'm like, oh my gosh, the weight and the stress of that was just unbearable for me like like Pam how do you know if you're pushing yourself hard enough if you're not like passing out from pushing yourself so yeah. hard right it's like your your mental capacity exceeds your physical capacity at that moment and so um you know everything worked out okay I didn't you know nothing disastrous happened that was a really uh it was an interesting time of life because that was you know, the start of the company really growing and it didn't seem like it was going to grow. And, you know, it, it was a slow start. You know, you ever, you ever seen those races where people are running and, and um, it just doesn't seem like it's going very well for certain competitors. You're like that guy, that underdog, I don't know, maybe he's the loser, maybe, but then he ends up being the underdog. And you're like, wow, I didn't see that coming, but you know, shame on me for not believing in that person for whatever reason, you know, if you're talking about physical athletes for whatever opinion you you get from them just looking at their physique or whatever so that's that entrepreneurial burnout that's without a doubt how did you like what techniques did you learn to avoid that for for the future because i not just entrepreneurs but everyone's overworked these days and it's also you know working from home so like lines have been seriously seriously crossed anybody who's in the corporate world even even their boundaries are being crossed out because work home they, if it's one and the same it's one and the same what were some techniques that that you know, you utilized. Right. It's a great question. So I started doing like more physical exercise oh, okay. and I felt like I really needed to do something to get out of the office, to get some fresh air and just like, think about, you know, as crazy as it may seem, it's not really all that bad. So I used to have a pastor. He would say, it's never as bad as it seems and it's never as good as it seems. <laughs> and it's, it's so interesting to think about like as bad as you may feel that things are going, it's not always as bad as you think. And I had a mentor at the time and he's like, he's like, Matt, you've been through more like stressful things in, in your thirties. And I've been in, you know, he was in, in his fifties at the time. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't ask for this. I just, somehow it just follows me around, but I have to deal with it. Right. It's like, I didn't ask for it, but I'm responsible for it in a way. Right. And so um, I ended up buying a treadmill and um, I ended up just putting in time on that consistently every day. And so a lot of people will hit the gym, which I, I do more gym work now these days. And so just something to get away to kind of like get all your frustrations out in a like a healthy way right you're not going home and kicking the dog and yelling at the kids and the wife right you're not doing that but you're you're getting all the frustrations out in a healthy and productive way so that's that's what i ended up doing for that in that situation yeah 
Right, right. No, I love that. And thank you so much for sharing your experiences. Because Sometimes they aren't the greatest. You know what I mean? Sometimes those lessons are not the greatest, but again, yeah. you learn and you keep moving forward. And, and now with that being said, you know, there go the lessons, but now what have been some of your biggest moments in your businesses, the most like successful moments for you? I joined real life trading in uh, at the end of 2019. And this was, I guess, a few months before the whole COVID thing happened. And our mission is to enrich lives. So we help, as you know, we help teach people how to trade the stock market. And it's been an amazing, amazing journey. We've like 3X the whole business since I joined at the, at the tail end of 2019. And this idea of, and I didn't quite get this early on of this business of enriching lives, but I actually traveled with Jeremy quite a bit. And we go to different cities and meet up with local, like we'll go to Chicago or Orlando, wherever, and we'll meet these traders that are in our group who've been in our, our community for months or years. And they'll say, you know, I watched your free content for years. I started making money. I was able to pay off my student loans. I started making more money than my job. I was able to leave the job and I do this full time and then I'll give back to my community and like all these, like these things that you know, you have a part of, you know, and helping enrich lives. And so what we try to do is we try to teach our community, our traders, what is the reason you really want to trade? And most people, if they're honest, will say, I want to make extra money, which there's nothing wrong with that. But if you have that kind of a reason compared to like the best one I've ever heard, which is like a tearjerker, if you're ready. I'm ready. Uh, this lady, she was older lady. She, she had that, I think it was like, uh, she had a college student, college age student for a daughter. And she said, I want to break the curse of poverty on my family and provide for my kids and grandkids. And that was her why. And now if you compare, like, I want to make extra money and that kind of a why, which one do you think is going to have more grit when things get tough to kind of push through and continue, you know, it's like, cry for five minutes. It's okay. And then keep going. Right. And so that whole powerful reason why she's doing it and she's become a phenomenal trader, just changing her life and her family tree. Literally, she's literally doing that right now. Wow. And so it's not really about the money and growing the company as much as those stories. We hear those not always that powerful, but we hear those stories many times a week and people will write testimonials and send us all the stuff. And we have about 38,000 students that are in our database right now. And um, we're actually doing some other things as we're growing, but yeah, that's, that's, I think the most meaningful thing for us. And as you know, like having money doesn't necessarily change who you are. It just amplifies who you already are. So if you're a kind hearted, generous, nice, caring person with money, you're going to be a 10 X version or hundred X version of that. Right. Wow. If you're a jerk, you're rude, you're, you know, you're just impatient with the waiter, like all of the things that, you know, with money, you're going to be a 10 X version of that. Yeah. And I feel like that's really the, the perspective being able to enrich lives and not just making money so you can buy yourself some silly toys like we could all go buy toys but it's really about being a difference and making a difference in the world that's awesome that's awesome and in the in the trading world too like because there's those instagrammers with those spam spam comments that drive me nuts but like i i heard about <laughs> you i heard about jeremy and i'm like okay i love these guys they're super cool but you know and what's really amazing to see seriously is to see how you have started 14 businesses been super successful at four of them the other 10 you know whatever they were lessons but now you're in a space where you want to create that impact mm -hmm. because and then so you do good and you also make money and that is like a barrier to be broken right now just mm -hmm. in the world because some people think like oh money is the root of all evil well it's really not 
it could be if you look at it that way, but it's also, you can also use it as a force for good. Like you said. That's right. And money, money is like, it could be a tool, right? It could be like a brick. You can use a brick to build a hospital. You can use a brick to go through a window. Like it's how you use it really more than the thing itself. It's just a tool. And you can, you can do all kinds of evil in the world, or you can, you know, build schools and hospitals and all kinds of things with bricks. It it really just depends on how it's being used. Throughout all your businesses and everything that you're doing now, what has been top tip or top three tips of being an entrepreneur and what you've learned there, your lessons, your biggest lessons in throughout your venture, I guess. Yeah. So one of them has been to give back as we touched on just briefly is the idea of using money to help make a difference in other people's lives. And a lot of times it's not always about the money too. It's about just spending time with people who feel like all hope is gone. You know, I don't know if you've ever met people who just have just been beat up in entrepreneurship and they're like, I'm just, this is it. Once I shut this down, I'm done. And just spending time with those types of people, I think is is kind of interesting because you can like, it doesn't have to end this way. Like, unless you quit, of course, it's up to you, right? And so like being able to spend time and pour back into people is, is super, super impactful. Uh, the other thing that I, that I, I feel like was a, a great lesson is building a really, really powerful team to help accelerate your company. So like my rule of thumb is when I hire someone for a certain role or a certain job description, I really, I want them to do 85% or better than what I could have done, right? Like I, I, I feel like, they don't have to do exactly what I would because, you know, there's always the, the people who are going to micromanage and the people who are going to be perfectionists, which drive employees nuts. But if you say, here's what this role looks like, and you, you define it really well, and you give them an idea of what that should look like, if they can do 85% or better, I'm fine with that. Now I can count on two hands how many people I've hired that did even 100% better than what I could have. It, it's it's rare. And those are those are people that I've come across that are, it's just, it's very, very, very rare to have someone who can do a really, really good job and you hand them responsibility and they can take and run with that. It's, it is, it's, it's not as common as I'd hope it would be. So building a powerful team. And then if you're working with people you really want to work with, I think it's super impactful as well. So, you know, I, I've, I've worked as a software company um, versus like working with real life trading. It's, it's kind of a night and day, right? So working in a software company, everyone's like, well, how much, you know, what does this project look like? It's all money, money, money. And, um, and then working with real life trading, we have people who literally volunteer to help us with things because they love our mission. So real life trading is more, it is a company, but it's more like a mission than an actual like corporation, you know, you understand the difference? And so, so for us, it it just, it's pretty interesting when you're working with other people who support the big mission of what you want. And the the mission can't always be about making money because how do you get your employees? Like how do you get your employees fired up about making money? If that's like the end all, then what, (laughs) you know? And so being able to make a difference in people's lives and seeing the comments and the reviews and all the video testimonies, all the stuff that we see over a week, it's, you know, that's, that's very, very, very meaningful, even more than the money in my mind. So, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. And now an even tougher question for you. What would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now? (laughs) I would tell myself to chill out and to, to not take yourself so seriously. So I feel like there's two kinds of people in the world. There's purpose oriented people and fun oriented people. The fun-oriented people need to figure out how to have more purpose, and the purpose-oriented people need to have more fun. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And so that's what I would tell my younger self is being super purpose oriented. My younger self, I would tell them to, to try to have more fun and chill out because not, you know, life is short. I haven't told you all my, all my crazy stories of, of being in the back of the ambulance, waking up unconscious, but yeah, it's, I feel like life is really, really, really short and you don't, you really don't know how much time you have left and you have to be super, super intentional with how you spend your time. Right. So um, for some of us, we've actually, I did this morbid exercise where you write your eulogy about what you want people to say at your funeral. Have you ever done that before? No, that petrifies me, but I, it, yeah, it, it did funny. too. And I'm like, that doesn't sound like fun, but I literally wrote out my eulogy, you know, it talks about what I want my life to be about. And, you know, I want to make a difference in the world. And, and so when you have that kind of like super lifelong clarity, it helps filter what is and isn't important, what is an opportunity and what's a distraction. So there's plenty of opportunities that have come across my desk in like the past six months that I said no thank you to, because they were a distraction from what I really am trying to work, you know, the things I'm trying to work through or, or accomplish in life. And then there's some where I said yes to, because they absolutely line up with what I'm trying, what, what I want my life to be about. And it is a little bit of a morbid exercise and it's not a whole lot of fun, but it is, it does, it does give you some serious focus and some serious clarity, but then everything filters through that. Yes. I, I need to try that. I need to try writing that because I feel like, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, not to, not to be morbid, but I tell people all the time, I'm like, you know, you have one life and mm. when it's all over, what it, what are you leaving behind? And they're just like, oh. and I'm like, you can't just live to live. You got to think about generations from now. You got to think about all these other different elements. Right. Like people are counting on you and you don't even know it, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, for like the young up and coming entrepreneurs, I think one one thing I'd always like to leave with people, and this is no matter what your bank account looks like, no matter what you what you where you live in life, uh, if you're in the poorest parts of Africa or if you're in America, is how you spend your free time is super, super important. And so uh, when I sold my software company, the new buyer, the investor who bought it, he and I collectively agreed to work together to hire a CEO to replace me because I was moving on. And we ended up finding this, this CEO that we both could agree on. And we went through, we talked to dozens of people and we found the CEO that we both could agree on. And the first thing he said to me, he goes, Matt, let me see your phone. And I'm like, okay. So I unlocked it, handed it to him and he was scrolling, scrolling. He goes, okay, we can do this. And, and I'm like, what just happened? And he's like, I'm looking for video games on your phone. And he found zero on my phone. And I said, what, like, what does that have to do with anything? Like what are, finding video games? And he said, well, I'm, I wanna make sure that I'm working with people who aren't time wasters. People who are just filling time. Like you got 10 minutes here, 20 minutes there, you're just filling it with something. He said, I want to find people who are learning, reading, listening to podcasts. They're like investing their time and they're building the new version of themselves, right? Mm. And so I wrote this, this blog article on this like very same topic about using your free time to improve the future version of yourself. And even if you're 13 years old, 14 years old, and you live in the poorest parts of the world, you can still do that. It doesn't, you can still learn, you can still read, you can still improve yourself, right? And uh, it was really shocking to me when I wrote the articles, got on Quora, Q-U-O-R-A.com. And I was surprised how much haters and trolls, I'm like, what's wrong with improving the future version of yourself? And they're like, well, Matt, you, you have these, I'm like, anybody could improve. Like, why is that a bad thing? You know, I'm pretty sure the Facebook CEO, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, 
Elon Musk, Tesla. See, I'm sure they're not spending their free time watching cute cat videos on, on Facebook. I'm pretty sure. Just a guess. I don't know them personally, just a guess. But I'm sure they're like spending their time improving the, the future version of themselves, not just, you know, time waster. And so that's what the whole thing was that he wanted to look through everyone's phone to see who's the time wasters. And it never occurred to me to, the, the, I had no idea that's what he was even doing. So I passed the test, right? Yes, I'm going to work with these guys. And it became, you know, we ended up hiring him and kind of went from there. So yeah, it was pretty crazy. <laughs> That's amazing. That's hardcore, but it's really like, it's true. It's really, really true. Wow. That's amazing. And so you mentioned real life trading and that's sort of what you're, you know, that's what you work on now day in and day out, which is pretty amazing, but definitely tell me what are you up to in that realm? You mentioned that there's courses, there's all these things. So if you could give us sort of an excerpt about what it is, and then also how they could find you have different programs that are offered anything that's coming up for you in the next like six to 12 months. Sure. So we are uh, real life training helps teach people how to achieve financial freedom and it's done with trading stocks and we teach stocks options crypto and so we have a handful of free courses so if you're interested in learning how to trade the stock market uh, we have a beginner's course we have an intermediate advanced course and they're all free for you to sign up on reallifetrading.com so you can go to our website and it's right on the homepage. first thing you see is the beginner's course and you can go in and you can fill out your, your name email and then boom you pop right into the course and it's based on is like five modules. So you complete module one, takes about 10 hours to go through the whole entire thing, but each module is about two hours. And then you take a quiz at the end, just to make sure you, you're retaining what we taught you. And then you unlock like the next module and you go through until you complete it. And uh, so that's, that's where most people start. Uh, we do offer, you know, online courses like that. We do offer live in-person training. So this year we were in Charlotte, North Carolina for a week. We were in Miami in, at the end of March. Uh, we're going to be in Lake Tahoe in July, middle of July. And we do the same type of teaching, but in person. And um, yeah, and so we're super excited about Lake Tahoe. And then we have a Money Grows on Trees event in October, which is a just all mindset and um, your beliefs about money and finances and how you know how you can shift and make small mental mental changes to help you see things very very differently. And so that's coming up uh, October 23rd to 27th. And that's at Turks and Caicos. So those are like the live events that we do. We also, we also offer mentoring groups. So a mentoring group, if you think about like a small study group of six traders, you plus five other traders, and you have a mentor and you meet once a week, usually the same time every week. So like Tuesdays at seven or Wednesdays at nine or whatever the same time is. And there's specific topics that people will, mentors will lead you through. So there's things just for beginner traders. There's uh, for people who are interested in learning to trade like advanced strategies. Like there's specialties that you can sign up with. If you want to learn how to trade futures, we have someone, a specialist who does just that. And that's, that's what the mentoring groups do. And it's eight weeks long. So you go about an hour, hour, hour and a half, and it, it's uh, eight weeks. You meet the same time every week. And then we also do personal coaching. So if you want to have like a one-on-one -on -one call with someone, uh, any of the mentors who teach any of these mentor groups, you want to have a one-on-one -on -one hour session with them, maybe walk through specifics of maybe some trades you've taken that, you know, what could I have done different, that kind of thing. You can, you can do that as well. And so that's, that's kind of come, that's all what we're doing now and what we're working on. Uh, we did launch in, in January, I was on a private island in the British Virgin Islands and Brittany Turner asked the question, what is one cause that you would like to 
improve in the world. So I said, uh, eliminate human trafficking because I have two teenage daughters. Mm -hmm. So I said that and literally February, the next month, we're setting up a nonprofit, which is live now real life foundation. And then in March, we're raising, we're doing at each of our live events, we do a fundraiser dinner. And so we did a fundraiser dinner at the end of March and we raised $29,000 in a a dinner. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Our very first dinner. So we have to set that bar higher every time. (laughs) And uh, our benefactor was the Operation Underground Railroad, which um, they do, it's like a, it's a civilian group that run like military style operations to work with local countries and local law enforcement to uh, get the two arrest the perpetrators and like free the victims of that. So yeah, that's um, super rewarding to raise, help be a part of that. And then uh, beyond that, what we're doing, uh, it's going to be out later in July is we're working on some real estate investing courses. So we have some subject matter experts, people that are in our community right now who do flips and rentals and multifamily. And we have a big list of house hacking and Airbnb and uh, self-storage and triple net leases and foreclosures and all kinds of all types of things. We have, I think, 17 or 18 courses that we're putting together. And we're working with a subject matter expert who's part of our community already. And so one of the things we hear besides just trading is what are some other avenues, some other revenue streams yeah. that we can, we, we recommend real estate investing. I actually, my last summer, my teenage daughter, who was 17 at the time, she wanted to learn how to flip a house. So her and I bought a house and we flipped, we, we worked on it together and it was a great experience for her. She wants to get her, she wants to do more real estate investing as a career now because of that. And so I am working on a book called What Entrepreneurs Teach Their Kids. And, uh, and then later this year, we're, we're launching a whole new thing. Everything that we've done with, with real life trading, with free courses and uh, personal coaching and mentor groups, we're doing the same thing with real estate investing. And then once that's completed, we're going to do the same thing with real life entrepreneurship. And we're setting up an investment group to make investments into people who go through our courses. And it'll be, it won't be like a venture capital, but kind of like an ain't some, we'll make, we'll make some small angel investments into uh, people that we're working with. So yeah, it's super, super cool, super exciting. It's been a wild journey. All the things we've been able to do in the past year, year and a half and, uh, and COVID didn't beat us down. You know, we, we bounced back stronger than ever. Like, like, uh, unfortunately not everyone can say that. So, but yeah, it's been, it's been amazing. Absolutely incredible. I adore that. I adore that. Now everyone needs to know where to find you and your awesomeness, Matt. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram and Twitter, Matt DeLong90 on the gram. <laughs> yep. Matt DeLong90. I love yep. it. And uh, if you guys want to shoot me an email, it's Matt, M A T T at reallifetrading.com. That's my email, Matt, M A T T at reallifetrading.com. Love it. I adore what you're up to and your mission and just your passion and you're so inspiring and I just can't wait to see this all take off for you guys it's going to be so amazing and I just want to thank you so much for being here today you are a total rock star the only dream that I've been chasing is my own so that's it for today's episode of underdog head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show one lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day with Pamela herself in Boston, Massachusetts. Be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy of Pamela's free gift and join us on the next episode. Oh,